Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Jean-Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we have a treat in store for you guys. Uh, our guest is Robin uh, Drake. I hope I'm, I'm pronouncing it correctly. If I'm not, please correct me. <laughs> and, you are good. Um, great. So um, uh, we're, it's, it's an honor to have you on the show, uh, Robin. Just to give you an introduction, of course, Robin is an, an executive coach, a best-selling author, a professional speaker, a podcast host, a Marine Corps officer, and retired FBI special agent uh, slash chief of the Counterintelligence Behavioral Analysis Program. And uh, Robin has taken his life's work of recruiting spies and, and leading Marines and, and, and behavioral assessments and created his unique interpersonal communication strategies for success in recruiting allies. Uh, so since 2010, Robin has been working with executives, corporations, entrepreneurs, military and law enforcement in their pursuit of forging trust, solving challenges, and, and leading. And, and whether it's, uh, you know, newly promoted leaders, executives, or sales teams, or customer relations folks, uh, Robin has uh, crafted his people formula for quick, measurable results and maximum success. Um, so, you know, it's an honor to have you on it. And just real briefly, um, you know, I just want to say you're the real deal, of course. You've worked with clients as big as Google, City, Merrill Lynch, and you've been featured on media outlets like uh, CNBC, Newsweek, Time, Fox News, and, and, and whatnot. So um, I'm glad that you were able to uh, carve out some time in your packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. <laughs> so uh, if you can, Robin, can you, can you talk about, I guess, your background and and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today. You said the whole background. I'm good. <laughs> and you, oh. The funny thing, Luke, is that you said unique skill set. Yeah, right. I know it's on my bio. I don't know how unique <laughs> it is. It's, it's just don't be an ass. There's, there's a uniqueness to it. <laughs> well, um, excellent. So how I got into this was, it's funny, my, my real – tagline and everything in my life has been recruiting allies and all of us tend to do that at one point or other to overcome obstacles and challenges that we face sometimes we do it cognitively and thoughtfully sometimes we just do it by happen chance you know a lot of things that we all have in common as human beings is death birth and trauma and struggles at one time or another and so i had mine earlier on and i i always want to be an astronaut and how did I get in behavioral stuff? Well, as I couldn't do that, so I just fell in the, into my path. It was literally just learning how to interact with others and move beyond what I thought was natural-born leadership, which was popularity, for my case, because I'm a gregarious, outgoing guy. I love people. I love interacting with people. And when you do that in high school, it's, it's called popularity. And in life, it's called self-centeredness. <laughs> so I quickly had to learn when I hit the Marine Corps and then the FBI to take that skill set of loving people and shift the focus from myself to others. So that's kind of how the journey began. Wonderful. That's a, a tremendous story. So you first started off wanting to be an astronaut, but then, you know, your, your life took a different path. And you started off, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you probably still are very gregarious and talkative and extroverted, but you realized you had to... Uh, kind of shift things around, right, in order to be a better, I guess, person and leader and to be more successful in life. So, you know, that, that's amazing. And uh, it, it's interesting. You've written a lot of books, 
uh, obviously sharing your wisdom and expertise. Uh, let me just name the titles of, of them. There, it's sizing people up. I, I, I like that one. Code of trust. <laughs> and it's not all about me. It, there's a common theme mm-hmm. with all these books, right? You know, you're talking about how you address, uh, how folks should interact with people to succeed, to succeed in life. And, you know, I've read a lot of books on, on this subject, like Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? And Bob Berg's book on the go-giver and, and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So, I've yeah, I, I, I talked to Bob. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I noticed he was um, uh, a LinkedIn connection of yours. And I was like, oh, that's great. You know, um, so, you know, but uh, a lot of these books share, you know, a common theme. You know, obviously focus on the other person, right? And, you know, do, is there anything perhaps new that um, perhaps isn't found in those books that you'd like to share with us? Maybe something people are maybe not uncommon. It, well, excuse me, it is uncommon for people to know. You know, all these books, you mentioned fantastic books. Mine, mine are, are following and trace of all of them. And the theme throughout my books and the theme for everything is humility. Deep, deep humility. And part of that deep humility is having an unbridled curiosity about others. I just finished um, Brene Brown's um, recent book, Braving the Wilderness. And in there, she put it really, really well. And that is, if there's someone or something you don't agree with or you're not getting along with, that's the time to get closer. And that's what empathy is. And this is all about empathy. How do you see the world through someone else's context, through their lens, through their journey? so that you can understand them at that deeper level, so that you can connect with absolutely anyone. And connecting doesn't mean you necessarily agree with someone. Hell, there's plenty of people in, throughout history we'd never agree with. But to understand and walk a mile in their shoes so you can at least understand them, that's what most human beings, all of us, are really seeking. We're seeking to be seen. We're seeking to be heard. And so the core of every single one of these great books you mentioned is how do you make people feel seen and heard and ultimately always asking yourself this question, am I doing all I can to make them feel safe with me? And that's really the bottom line for anything, is making people feel safe. The safe, from there you get trust. From trust you get allies. From allies you get problem solved. Excellent advice. And, you know, it it goes back to, I think, a line I think I read from uh, Dale Carnegie's book. It's better to be interested than to be interesting. And it's so true. Yeah, (laughs) people who are great listeners tend to be, uh, you know, deemed to be great uh, conversationalists, even though they didn't talk that much. They just <laughs> listened, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, obviously you're very good at sizing people up. You had to be because you're someone who had to, to deal with foreign spies, like, Ru- you know, <laughs> Russian spies. You had to recruit spies. So I, I can only imagine, you know, the work you've done sounds so exciting to me. And there's so many books out there by people like yourself who worked in the military, who worked uh, with the FBI and with federal law enforcement, who's, who are sort of sharing their knowledge and experience with a common layperson. I think you're familiar with uh, uh, Navarro's book, um, What Everybody is Saying. Yes. And I'm sure you're familiar with... Uh, uh, I think I believe Chris Voss's book. Uh, he worked as a, a negotiator with the FBI. Uh, I believe the name of his book is Never um, Never Split the Difference. Never Split the Difference. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic book. Yeah. So you know, I'm always fascinated by folks like yourself who who worked in the military, uh, and, and again with federal law enforcement. And also, there's a book by David Goggins. I'm sure you've you've read 
Um, Can't Hurt Me. Can't Hurt Me. Excellent book uh, by mm-hmm. a, a Navy yeah, SEAL. Yes. And so, you know, that's amazing. Um, and obviously you were in the uh, Marines, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, take a moment to thank you for your service. And, you know, folks like yourself help protect our freedom. So that's amazing. So <laughs> hats off to you. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious now, obviously uh, you have a, a deep wisdom to share, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm just real curious. Do you have any maybe stories? Uh, I'm sure you have a, a book of stories you, <laughs> that you could refer to in your mind about, you know, memories. Uh, any Anything you want to share with us that's um, uh, moving or very entertaining? You know, it's interesting. Those two words brought up two different images in my head and two different memories. Um, moving and entertaining. They're really two different in my mindset because I, so my career in the FBI started in New York City in 1997, where I was assigned to work counterintelligence and recruit Russian military intelligence officers, GRU officers. And that was inspiring and entertaining at all at the same time. I mean, the crazy things that we did to craft operations all around one person at a time to inspire them to see if they wanted to buy our resources to solve problems and pain points and challenges in their lives and and in hopes of they would give us their resources in order to solve ours. In other words, how can we inspire them to betray their country and give us all the secrets? So that brings about many entertaining stories of of effort because it's an art form you know and every time you are learning art you start with paint by number and you can make some funny pictures when you start to learn how to paint with watercolors and things because that's what it is you know all the tools and techniques of human interaction start with lessons and the more you get these lessons and the more you get critique and you get reflective and the more you study and the more information you ingest the better of an artist you become leonardo da vinci carried with him Mona Lisa for the last 15, 20 years of his life, because as he learned a new thing, he was constantly working on it. And that's every human interaction. So by the, so as you're learning this art form, you can make yourself laugh, you make others laugh, and you get better at it. So hopefully by the end, you're successfully engaging others the way they want to be engaged. Like you said, it's not about being entertaining, it's about inter, you know, making it about others. And so that, and that create a lot of stories. But when it comes to memorable and impactful stories i was so i'll give you my time frame i was in new york from 1997 to 2005 6 and that was night during 9 11 and i was my office at 26 federal plaza is about five or six blocks from the trade center i was right there front and center that day i saw the first plane hit the north tower i was on the street getting a cup of coffee and i went up to my 25th floor where my office is at our our floor we held um in, in 26 federal for all counterintelligence and i had a line eye view of watching uh, eight people jump from the north tower as i then saw the fireball from the second plane at the south tower come through and what was so moving about besides the horror of that moment was how connected everyone was and i know the entire country and the entire world felt connected but in the in new york city when you're working in this area every day you had to go down to ground zero or cover leads or whatever it is we're doing as we worked uh, about four months uh seven days a week um from i was on the 6 a.m this midnight shift every day and that is a long grind for a long time and 
But every single day you're going through checkpoints, you're going up and down the West Side Highway, getting to Ground Zero, whatever you're going. The streets were lined with people, children, you name it, holding up signs like, please find my mommy, please find my daddy, as right next to signs, thank you for all you're doing to save us, save us. Um, you'd stop at a checkpoint, people would hand you water bottles, respirators to try to keep your lungs clear, um, handmade sandwiches, notes, you name it. It was just overwhelming the compassion and empathy that people had for each other. That's what was probably the most moving thing I've probably ever experienced in my life. Wow. <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, you know, <laughs> that you were in you were in New York uh, during September 11th. It, it's interesting. I uh, I live in New York City. I'm born and raised in New York City. Um, yep. I, I was also in New York City when 9-11 happened, but not as close as you were. And so uh, I can only imagine, um, you know, how traumatic that is to see people, you know, jump out of pure desperation you know, to escape flames or, or, or whatnot. So I, that's just nuts. Uh, the fact that 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 even happened is crazy. Um, obviously, something like that, I hope, would never happen again, I imagine. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, but the, on the, obviously on the brighter note, you saw the aftermath where people were unified. There was that unity. People were helping each other out, strangers. There were also folks donating tons of blood to, to help mm-hmm. people who, who needed it, and so it, tons of volunteers. So it, it was yeah, an amazing time. The vol- yeah, the volunteerism was profound. I mean, you were there. I probably, for the rest of my life, I'll probably never experience anything quite as binding as that. I mean, it was really profound. You know, humanity coming together. I just read another book recently talking about our genetics and biology crave desperately human connection. It's our survival. You know, we, we're we not put on this planet to be alone. You know, our survival depends on creating allies. That's why it's, it's the whole theme of what I do is, you know, we create and recruit allies in our lives to stay, to solve problems and move forward and progress, as well as being a resource for others. That's how we forge these great, healthy relationships and innovate through hard times. And that was probably the most profound I've ever saw people connect in my entire life. Wow, and uh, and I totally agree with you in the, in the sense that you know we're all social animals, right? And even introverts are social animals, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we all need to be around people. We're not here. We're not meant to be alone. That that's totally true. You know, I always tell people the number one key to success is other people. And <laughs> yeah, you know, how do you learn a language? The best way? Well, you. You put yourself in a place where lots of people speak the language and there's no way you can fail, right? Because you're totally immersed in the environment, right? As opposed to if you were trying to learn a language on your own. You know, so many people try to do that. It's possible to do that on your own to learn a language, but most people fail, right? You know, it's just, it doesn't work that way when you try to learn a language on your own for most people, right? It's just a lot harder. 100%. And think about the analogy we were using earlier. You know, when you're trying to do things on your own at first, that's when you're learning how to paint by number. You're learning the techniques and skills you need to start the basics, but if you're going to start moving up to mastery level and getting in what I call reps, repetitions, that requires human interaction. And that's what you move into. And so that's how you become a, a gifted linguist or gifted in anything requires interaction 
scientists. I mean, just think about this. You know, I just got done reading uh, Neil deGrasse's um, book, Starry Messenger, and I'm reading his other one right now, one of his other ones. And so here's cos cosmo cosmologists and, and physicists who are great researchers, great scientists. Many of them are introverts. And yet when it comes to hitting the mastery level of understanding the universe, they have to debate. They have to look at research from each other. They have to interact with each other. They have to understand the, the dichotomy of the world around them. And so that requires human interaction. Absolutely. You know, I'm sure you've, you've read the book by, uh, I believe, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Um, I'm, that is on my list. It's been on my list forever, so I'm embarrassed to say I've not read that one, but yes, I know it. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. You'll get to it when you get to it. I'm sure you've read enough books at this point, so no need to be embarrassed. But the, the thing, it's one of the classics, as you know, and in that book, I'm, I'm going to spoil a little bit of it for you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, in the book, Hill talks about the mastermind. Um, you probably heard of, of mm -hmm. mastermind, right? So it, essentially yeah. what it is is when a whole bunch of people uh, get together, uh, they create one powerful mind called the mastermind. And so a lot of successful people have this kind of, you know, uh, you know, mastermind program where they get together where I guess they hold each other accountable. They bounce ideas off each other. So that's what, um, when you were talking about the scientists and whatnot and uh, working together, it reminded me of that whole mastermind uh, concept. You know, and, and now that we're on the subject of people, you know, uh, recruiting allies and building networks and whatnot, you know, networking is a subject that I care a, a lot about. Um, one of my favorite networking books. You're a master books. of it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank you. I, I appreciate the compliment. I, um, I, I, I've read a lot of books on networking, which has helped me. And, you know, I'm actually an introvert, which is, which is uh, surprises a lot of people. But uh, I realize the importance of getting out there and meeting with folks. And, you know, I, I tell this to people all the time. The more you network, the luckier you get. Um, mm. It, it's so true. It's a it's a play on the whole quote: "The harder your work, the, the, the luckier you get," which is also true. But um, you know, I met you through networking. You know, uh, I think I was introduced to you by a mutual friend uh, named uh, Jennifer R. Glass. She's a business coach. I had her as a guest on my show, and she sent me an email introducing, <laughs> uh, you know, us to each other. And I was like, okay, wow. So, and that kind of thing happens all the time, and that's how we met. Mm -hmm. And um, and she met you through a mutual connection we have called Lane Lane Knighting, who's an adventure coach who uh, takes executives and whatnots on on these excursions, life changing excursions. So it, it's uh, it's interesting how how the world how you know success and luck happens and how people meet and whatnot because uh, you know I, I do a lot of book reading. Um, there's a book by a gentleman named Joe Girard. He was like one of the most successful salespeople whoever lived. He had a Guinness record for selling cars. Um, the number one way he sold cars was through networking because he had a huge yep. network of people that you, you've heard of him, right? He sent them direct mail yep. letters and whatnot. Whenever they needed to buy a car, they went straight to him and they sent him referrals because he found that each person knows on average 250 other people, right? So yep. one individual is a bridge to on average that many people, which is just incredible. So if you meet 10 people, think about how much your network expands exponentially. Uh, at, uh, you know, and, and, and also LinkedIn. That's how I met Jennifer, of course. You know, LinkedIn to me is like a 24-7 networking event. I love LinkedIn. <laughs> so me that's too. how I find a lot of my guests. Yeah. So, um, you know, 
so there is something to this uh, whole thing of networking and recruiting allies and whatnot. So I, uh, I, I totally uh, agree with you on that. And um, so I guess my next question would, uh, for you would be this. What, what networking advice do you have for folks? Because, you know, business owners want to get to the point where they mostly or solely rely on referrals, right? So it makes their job a whole mm -hmm. lot easier. And not just for business owners and entrepreneurs, but also people looking for work. The best way to find a job is through your network, of course. So what advice do you have for folks on this? Be of service. Figure out what is every time you interact with a human being, and this is the hardest thing for someone who has a lot of grit, self-reliance, resiliency. Those are great traits to have, but those traits are also very self-centered. They're very about me because I recognize it because that's what I had to do to survive and, and prosper and, and thrive growing up. But we've got to balance that dichotomy out of self to others. And the best way to do that is every time you interact with anyone, your job is not to sell yourself, not to share what you're doing, because really no one cares. <laughs> figure out what they're doing and figure out how you're going to make their life a little bit easier, a little bit better, and help them solve their problems. And then whether it's you or referring them to someone who can, that's it. And it's what you do very well. It's what Jennifer does very well. The best people in the world are the ones that have a fat roller deck. So every time they hear a pain, a pain point or challenge of someone that they're interacting with, a name immediately, if not multiple, pop in their head, not, hey, you know what? I know this person right here. I think they might be able to be a help or use for you. You just be the person that solves people's problems and you make their life a little bit better, a little bit easier you then become a lighthouse. You become a beacon of people wanting to interact with you and be, be of great service. And now here's the key. This is the hardest thing ever is be congruent with your actions and behaviors. And this is what Bob Bird talks about in the Go-Giver that you mentioned is you have to interact without an ask. Let go of an agenda and just do it because it's a good thing to do for others. And that is very hard to do. And that way, you will be genuine, you will be sincere, and you're not using this for a manipulation tactic. And that's what people are looking for. They're looking for people that are going to be a resource for them in their lives. And it's amazing that trigger of reciprocity starts kicking in. And if you do that once or twice, and it's also a great, it, it's the first um, tell in my last book, Sizing People Up, of, of understanding you know, people in your life about how they see the relationship. First sign is vesting. Vesting is a sign of, does someone proactively go out of their way to help you solve a problem without even being solicited? In other words, for you, Luke, say you met someone in your vast network of people like four, five, six, maybe a year ago, two years ago, and all of a sudden something popped in your head, a new relationship, a new conversation you had, and that person and what they talked about comes to mind. And out of the blue, you send them an email, you send them a text, or you reach out on the phone and you say, hey, was thinking about you the other day. Our last time we had a conversation, you had mentioned this challenge you were having. I just happened to be talking to someone. If you're still interested, I can make an introduction for you. Out of the blue, with no ask. That is a great sign of someone who's invested deeply in you, your success, without an ask. Yeah, and it's it's so true. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's how Joe Girard became the the top salesperson. You know, the, the, of all time, or, or one of the top salespeople through that networking and reaching out to people, helping people out, and whatnot, and sending out—he sent out letters to folks. You know, uh, on anniversaries, he would he would have assistants, yep. he would have a database, he would uh, and, and 
every month he would send out all the, and you know, he had to stay on top of all this and there was, there was no internet at, during that time period, right? But he was still able yeah. to manage to figure out how to, he had a, 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 I guess you can say a customer database Rolodex, and, but he just kept in touch with people and he sold cars by appointment. So it, it's interesting and you know, um, that this is what he did, anyone could do. Any car salesperson in theory could have done that, you know, and so I, I always love using him as an example, but you know, you mentioned a lot of great stuff here. You talked about the importance of, to be of service, right? And don't worry about, you know, getting, getting anything in return, right? Just suspend that, just be of service to as many people as you can. It's going to all come back to eventually. And so, you know, I love Bob Berg, uh, his book, uh, Go-Giver is great. And he's written some other books in the Go-Giver series, like Go-Giver Sell More and, and whatnot. And uh, he also wrote Endless Referrals, uh, amazing mm -hmm. book. And I also got the idea to start my own podcast by reading an amazing book called Unstoppable Referrals by Steve Gordon. Um, a podcast is a great way to, to meet people and to start relationships by providing value. And you, of course, have your own podcast. Ford mm -hmm. by trust. And so uh, I, I've noticed that Jennifer has her own podcast. So, you know, the best networkers out there have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> so there's something to Hands that. Down. Yes, absolutely. And you have books. You're also an author, which is amazing. You know, there's also another great book on giving. I also recommend to people that's not as well known. It's called Give and Take by um, Grant, Adam Grant. Um, yep. And he talks a lot about, you probably read it. Um, he mentions a, yep. a person. Uh, <laughs> Adam you know who, too, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the book, he, there's a guy he talks about called Panda who they found was the most connected guy on LinkedIn. Right. And it's funny. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he talks a lot about how he's able to help people and, and whatnot. So uh, an amazing book. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. And, uh, and another so, one he wrote, um, wrote after that, I'm sorry, is uh, I think again, is another he wrote something else, right, Adam Grant? Yeah, it's called Think Again. Oh, Think Again. Oh, okay. Sorry. Think, okay, yeah, so I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah. That's another Do you good like one, that yeah. one? I love it. Okay. Yeah, so All Adam right. Grant and and, uh, and Simon Sinek are two in the same area for me. Okay, great. So I'm going to check out um, uh, you know both of those authors. I'm familiar with Sinek. He wrote the book, I think, Why? What, I think it was, right? Yep, Start With um, Why. Start and with and why. Uh, yeah. Leader, Leaders Eat Last. That's another one by him, another favorite, oh. because it's, a marine, it's got a marine uh, tinge to it. And his oh, recent okay. one's called The Infinite Game. Oh, okay, okay. I gotta, I gotta add to my book list here. You can I tell I'm a book nerd with you too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries, man. You know, but you know, let me throw one in there. Let me throw two. Actually, there's another networking book called uh, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Mm -hmm. You probably heard of that one. He talks a lot about what you're saying. One. Yeah, but, but in the book, he, he talks a lot about like how networking is how successful people become successful. So it's like, you know, it's probably information you know already, but I think you. Still like reading it. Um, and then there's another book you probably don't know this one by Richard Wiseman called the uh, the Luck Factor, where he studies lucky people to figure out why they're lucky. And he finds one of the yep. things that makes them lucky is that they're extroverts, and because of that, they have wide networks. And mm. <laughs> that's how they they're lucky. Live network. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have um, they have these huge networks of people that can. Um, uh, essentially, uh, you know, they can get opportunities, you know, job opportunities or whatnot. You know, I always tell people the more you network, the luckier you get. So, um, you know, I can tell you and, and I can probably and, talk and, and for that's hours. A, 
Yeah, and I'm sorry, Luke. Let, let, I'm sorry to interrupt. I no want to make sure your audience has a has another great resource for networking. So, a good friend of mine, his name's Jordan Harbinger. He he hosts the Jordan Harbinger Show. And if you go to his website, jordanharbinger.com, you'll get the pop-up. He has a six-minute networking course, free. It is a great free online course for networking. He's got all these beautiful steps you can take to create a network and keep it alive, like you said. Um, so I highly recommend if you're looking to network, that is a great free course to take. He, he did a he put a lot of time and resources into it. It's completely free. You don't even have to listen to the show to do it. You don't have to subscribe to anything to do it. So I'm just uh, if you're anyone's interested in a good networking course, that's a good one. Okay, absolutely. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out. You said Jordan Harbinger, right? Yep. Um, yeah, he's a he, he's like a Joe Rogan level. He's uh, get like 16 million downloads a month or something. He's really crazy. <laughs> oh wow, amazing. So all right, definitely going to check that out and. Uh, I'm also curious, you know, I always give this question to people because I, I got this from one of Bob Bird's book, Endless Referrals. Now, what would I have to hear from someone in order for me to introduce them to you? That's a, such, yeah, such a great question. And it's a tough one, too, because you want to be a resource for everyone, but also you also have to, under, you have to be discerning because you can't take everyone on at the same time. The thing I'm always looking for is I'm always looking for a good match of where someone's at in their life because everyone, everyone's at a different point on their path and everyone's on a path. And what you want to do is you want to make sure that your paths are close enough aligned so you can be compatible so that you can actually be a resource for each other. I am always looking for someone that is, well, if I'm a speaker, I'm looking for a conference where they're looking to bring value to people by learning how to communicate effectively and forge good, healthy, strong relationships and recruit allies based upon a foundation of trust. So I'm looking for that kind of language. When it comes to one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'm looking for someone with a deep curiosity, a lot of humility, and an awareness that, hey, there's more I can do today to get better tomorrow. Okay, amazing. So uh, I'm definitely going to keep that in mind. If I find someone, I'm going to definitely uh, send them your way, of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love having you coaches on. Um, you know, they say a lot of successful people uh, rely on coaches. And it just goes back oh, to what I yeah. say. Yeah, you know, they hold you accountable. They give you tailored advice. Um, and so, it's definitely a step up from, you know, reading a, a personal development book. They're great, but they're oftentimes very general. And, but, you know, a book or a magazine article or a blog or, a, you know, a Facebook post can't really, you know, <laughs> tell you, you know, tell you how it is, you know, give you that, that kick in the rear end you may need. So um, like a, an actual, you know, real life person. So um, there is something to having a coach and, and whatnot. I, I'm curious, you know, obviously if, if someone is looking for a coach, and let's say you're busy. Let's say, you know, you're on vacation and you can't take on everyone, of course. Um, what advice would you have for people to find the, the right kind of coach? Um, you know, let's say if, if you're not available. Boy, that's a really good question, too. I would, you, you always want to interview who you're looking to have coach you. You want to understand their methodologies. You want to understand you know, what their what their personal why is, and also you want to interview them about who their coaches are, and what they're learning, and what their next steps are. Because I, you want to have it a good match for myself. I'm I want to make sure that 
I have someone that's also on a journey uh, of humility and constant learning. I'm interested in what people are consuming, which is another good one. It's like how curious is someone? Because I want to I want to connect with really curious people. And so if someone's looking for a coach and they can't, you know, come with me, obviously, I would I would try to have them know themselves well enough to get a good match with someone who's not just going to be at, on a similar journey, but far out in front of them on that journey so they can kind of be the guide and along the way to ask the right questions, to get them to challenge themselves in a way that they can understand and have empathy towards that journey that they're on. Excellent advice. And, um, you know, obviously I'm someone who looks to hire coaches. And so I always, you know, Google, I research, and obviously you have to interview the person as well. You have to vibe with them and see if there's a connection. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously they have to feel the same way, of course. So there's, it's like a, it's a two-way street, right? And um, yeah. I, I turn so, away more people than I take on. Absolutely. I, I, I'm always, most of the time I give people a reading list <laughs> and say, read all this first before we have another talk because it, it's, it's a big investment for someone to, to hire a coach. That's a massive investment of time as well as resources because it's not cheap because you pay for what you get. You get, a, you get all of someone, and, but all of someone's a lot. And if someone's not ready for that kind of investment, then you gotta, you gotta know when to say no. And I say no to most people. Um, because again, not because I, I, don't want, I don't wanna say yes. I, of course I wanna say yes, but you wanna also make sure that they're gonna get the most out of the interaction and most for their time and effort. And so it, it's, a, it's a fascinating balance to try to help someone through. Amazing. And, you know, you hear this all the time that successful people actually say no a lot. <laughs> so that's uh, not uncommon. And um, but, you know, you, you know what you're looking for and you're, you're dialed in, as they say. I need to do and, better at it, though. <laughs> My wife helps me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK, amazing. So, you know, um, again, thank you so much uh, for that. But, you know, what if someone's listening to you and they say to themselves, you know, I want to do what Robin's doing. I want to help people. I want to motivate people. I want to do a podcast, write books and, and whatnot. And I want to be a coach. Um, what, like, what, how would you uh, guide them? What advice would you give to them to be an effective, successful coach? consume a lot of information. Uh, that's the first thing you want to do is you want to consume a lot of information. There's a lot of good books out there um, on coaching. I think one of the best to start with that I love, and he's coming on my show soon uh, by my, Michael Bungay Sanyer, called The Coaching Habit. I would get that. And then one of the things that we do as coaches is being able to understand a lot of people requires two things. You have to read and consume a lot of information because that'll help you identify with other people. Like half the things I read and consume are because of my interest. The other half are the things that the people in my life are interested in because I want to understand them because we become what we consume. And it's both food, as we've heard, you are what you eat. Well, we are what we consume, including information. You know, Robert Greene wrote a great book, um, Beside the 48 Laws of Power, The Laws of Human Nature, and they're human beings. We generally consume things that help validate our own self-opinion. And so if I understand how someone sees themselves by what they consume, I have to read that as well. So the first thing you want to do is consume a vast amount of information, one for your own knowledge as well as the, the knowledge of the type of people you're coaching so you can understand them. And second is you've got to get your own coach, and then you've got to get reps. You have to get repetition. So practice coaching, talk to people, coach people, do the human interaction, 
and focus a lot on not solving people's problems, but asking a lot of what questions. So I think one of the best practices you can get is host a podcast. And you mentioned it yourself too, I think is, is the best skill set you can have about how to focus on someone else, help them go down a path that they want to go down because what you're ultimately doing as a coach is discovering the thread in their life and you're doing so lovingly, but objectively. I call these people loving critics. And so in order to do that, you have to understand them and you have to understand the origin story to see the threads in their life. So you can ask them the questions so they can help themselves get on their path, stay on their path, and be prosperous on their path. Amazing. Um, thank you so much for that, uh, because obviously coaching is something that appeals to me, um, something I, I'm looking into doing. I wouldn't do it now, of course, but maybe later on. And, of course, you're also an author and, and, uh, and a speaker. So um, I, I'm, I'm curious, do you, I mean, do you have any advice in that regard? Um, I, you know, you gave great advice on folks for folks who want to be a coach and also for folks who – want to start a podcast, you know, that you suggest starting a podcast, but do you have any um, tips for anyone who's an aspiring author or a public speaker, or maybe even anything you could share on, you know, in addition to yeah, what you've shared already on podcasting? Yeah, it's kind of, it's so speaker, author, it's literally pretty much the same thing. And this is what, this is what you have to look at. What pain point is the specific group of people that you want to connect with trying to solve. So identify a challenge or pain point in someone's life, and then what unique solutions you have that you can offer. So that's the first step is what priority, challenge, and pain point can you solve, and what's your unique, never thought of in, a, in your specific way, way in which to do it. Because that was, that's what makes something consumable by more than one person. Not saying that you shouldn't do anything else, but if you're looking to market it so that someone wants to consume it, that's what you have to do. You have to understand what people need because they have a, a challenge or problem in their life and then what unique way that no one else is doing so that makes you stand out from the millions of people that write books and do talks do. And then you have to take that those two things together and weave your very unique story into it to inspire people to understand your context of where it came from. We all have a unique story and weave it into that. And there you go. There's your both your book and your keynote. Wow. That's amazing advice. It, it reminds me of sales books I've read where you, you find, you mentioned pain points and pain oftentimes, points. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, you have to find the pain and that's how you sell. That's how you convince. That it's all about them, not you, right? You know, so you gotta. Yep. You're like a doctor trying to, you know, you, you you're giving out questions and you're trying to take in the answers and trying to do a diagnosis and you're giving a solution that's tailored, that's laser focused on the to help the individual. So, um, you know, amazing advice. Um, now, you you talked a lot about 9/11 and it's interesting. You know, before earlier in our conversation, we we're living in interesting times. Of course, I thought 9/11 would be the signature event of my lifetime, but you know, of course, we had the uh, pandemic, right? Um, mm, and, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm curious, like, um, what was your experience with the pandemic? Were you able to thrive during that time period? Did you have to adapt? Did you have to adjust? Like how did how did you make it out through that period? Massive pivot. That's <laughs> like I said, like everyone else, that was a massive pivot. The so I retired from the FBI in 2018, 
And I have been a public speaker since 2008, 2009. Um, so when I was with the FBI, I was publishing my books and articles already. So I was asked to do a lot of public speaking before I retired. And I got permission every year to do that from the FBI. So I was already sliding into my post-FBI life of just being a, a keynote public speaker. Well, I was that was going fine and dandy until the pandemic happened to me too. And my I went from everything to nothing in retirement. And so quickly shifting and pivoting is like, all right, the pain point's the same or similar. The the solution I'm offering still similar, but now how can what are the new vectors in which people need to consume information to interact? How are we going to pivot that? So online, virtual speeches, virtual talks, online courses and interactions, and not just in adding coaching to it. I've done coaching before that, but not not as a as a main vector of what I was doing. That became a massive vector as I discovered how much I really loved that part of it as well. And adding the podcast came uh, a little over a year ago. And that was probably the biggest thing I added of that I should have been doing my entire life. That's probably the best I've ever done when it comes to keeping yourself humble and learning. Oh, and, and oh my gosh, I became a mass, you know, gift that the pandemic gave to me is a I became a massive consumer of information. I started reading, well, listening to Audible, I should say, because I started walking. We had all this extra time. I was walking my neighborhood nonstop, and I started consuming books at a voracious rate. I learned because of that that I am what's called a kinetic learner. Sitting down and reading a book is hard for someone that is on borderline of having ADHD and hyperactivity because I can't keep focused too long. And all of a sudden, when I'm walking the moving at the same time as listening, I can remember absolutely everything. And so it was an interesting aha moment. So lots of pivoting and growth. You know, the human beings as a species, we thrive and innovate when we're in a state of deprivation and suffering. We're genetically coded for it. Otherwise, we would have died out um, hundreds of thousands of years ago as a, as a, as a, as a species. And so the pandemic really did that to us. It all caused a lot of damage as well. There is no doubt. I don't want to undercut that in any way. The toll on our mental health was tremendous. That's why those of us that were able to deal with it, because I think everyone effect, was affected by that in some way, um, without a doubt, to varying degrees. It's time to help people move beyond that and do the healthy behaviors we need. And so I learned a lot more healthier behaviors during that time period. Um, gave up alcohol because that started to become a bad habit, I think, like it was for a lot of people. Started moving more. So it was just a, a time of severe growth is a good way to put it. <laughs> wow, amazing. You, you mentioned severe growth, uh, and you also said massive pivot. So um, massive it's, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you, you basically had to adjust. You had to adapt. And uh, like a lot of people, it's interesting how so many people, if they made the proper adjustments, they were able to survive, not only survive, but thrive. You know, you have two types of businesses. They're in the same field. One shut down, but the other was able to make it because they made some type of change, you know, like restaurants who figured, okay, maybe we have to do takeout. Maybe we have to do this. Maybe we have to do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, and they were able to just figure out what they have to do during this challenging time. You know, it reminds me of a saying that, um, you know, life is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's 10% uh, what happens to you, but 90% how you respond. And so, 100%. yeah. And, uh, and it's interesting how like so many things, 
uh, so many people are so creative and adapt and, and figure things out during tough times. You mentioned that's how we evolved, of course, and, and you look through history, uh, you find that as well. During the Great Depression, a lot of great firms uh, were created uh, during the, <laughs> during the uh, Great Depression. They're still with us today. So it, it's, uh, that was a period where people had to adjust and figure things out, and so many people start businesses during these tough periods, which I find interesting, of course. And um, so, the greatest uh, yeah. So the greatest, leap, the greatest leaps forward in human history are, have happened during those times, all of them. Every single one of them happened during times of plague, desperation, famine, uh, economic downturns, you name it, because that's when things get tough, they get tight. And if you combine deprivation and a feeling of safety, in other words, where people feel safe to innovate, that's when miracles start happening. And that's when major leaps forward in our, in our understanding of the universe and the world around us happens during those times. They're painful. Oh, my gosh, they're painful, and they're very costly. But those are, those are miracle times that you come through them to, to watch and witness. And, and what we're always seeking in these times, too, is in the pivots that we're talking about is one of the greatest things we need as a human being for that mental health is to feel that we're of service. Like, what value do we add? And when, that, when our ability to add value in someone's life is taken away from us, that's what you need to focus on to maintain your own health is how can I still be of service? How can I still add value? What can I do differently to continue to add value? Because that gives us our sense of self-worth. And so that's what we really need to focus on during those challenging times. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how people figure things out when their backs are, are up against the wall, so to speak. You know, obviously, yep. uh, you know, when you're comfortable, um, you don't really, <laughs> you may not be, there's no urge to innovate, but when you have to survive, when you have no choice, you find a way, right? And so, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I was reading another book uh, called Pillars of, I think, Ten Pillars of Wealth by Alex Becker. He talks a lot about how people, they, they usually make it, they become financially successful when there's pain. And so a, a great book to de definitely check out. He also talks about the mentality of abundance versus scarcity. Mm. So it's uh, by Alex uh, uh, Becker. Uh, I think you would, you'd enjoy that book. And, and since we're on the topic of books, I'm, I'm curious, um, what major uh, book recommendations uh, <laughs> do you have for folks? Oh, my gosh. It is, that is hands down the hardest question. Because <laughs> I have so many I love. Um, it really depends on the. I can give you my last five books I've read. I love. So you got to understand first. I love all books because all books will teach you something. Might even teach you what you don't want want to read ever again. That is teaching you something. Um, so I love all books. Probably. So what I've read my last five. I'll just go through those real rapidly. Um, oh, actually, I'll tell you a series. Um, I'm having on my podcast. That, an author called Joshua Medcalf. He wrote a series of books. Of one's probably most popular is, um, is Chop Wood, Carry Water. It's an old Buddhist way of just really focusing on what matters. And he wrote another book after that I love called Pound the Stone. Is that, and that's actually just repetitions become mastery. He wrote a series of books I absolutely loved. Uh, I just finished, as I mentioned earlier, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson's book, Starry Messenger. Fantastic. Um, just finished Brene Brown's Brave in the Wilderness. And then, oh boy, uh, oh, Robert Greene's Mastery was uh, probably my biggest one I've read in the last uh, month, which is a great book on learning how to 
become a master. It, it talks about the history of mankind really in, in the last couple hundred years and how we used to have apprenticeships and mastery programs before written word was, was put down so people could learn from books. It became how do we master things? So I thought that was a really good book too. So I'll just hit on those. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing those recommendations. I'm, I'm definitely going to check those out. I'm going to see if you're uh, in my script uh, account. <laughs> You'll love script, <laughs> by the way, um, if, you, if you're not familiar with it already. Um, so so I'm curious, do you have any um, podcast recommendations for folks? Uh, obviously, yours for everyone listening. Make sure you tune in, hit like, and subscribe, and pass it along to others because podcasters put a lot of time and effort into what they do. And Anywhere where so I gotta make sure I bring my deep voice in when I do this as well the best I can because it's a it's a daunting task to have a great voice when speaking with you, Luke. Um other podcasts I mentioned Jordan Harbinger's is really good, another good friend of mine, um uh, named Blue Diamond. He has a book a uh, podcast called um Drive Loud. He's also got a great book out called Speak Easy on how to have a great interview and how to have a great dialogue. And then of course my podcast goes by Um but those are just a few off the top of my head. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And I guess as we wrap things up, I'm curious, um, do you have any uh, maybe important life lessons you want to share with us that you may not have had a chance to mention during our conversation that you've learned uh, yourself or from others? Yeah, so this is probably the thing I love sharing the most. And I actually have a free course. So if anyone's listening and you go to my website, peopleformula.com, you'll get the pop-up window for my free course. Actually, it's inspired by Jordan Harbinger's free six-minute networking course. So my free course is what I'm about to share with you here, and it's the four keys to communication. All those years ago when I was in the Marine Corps and I was failing miserably as a leader, ranked last. I was ranked dead last uh, out of the 14 second lieutenants I was in the squadron with. And I go to my Marine Corps officer that's rating me. I said, all right, sir, what am I doing wrong? He said, well, you just need to be a better leader. I said, huh? He goes, yeah, you need to make it about everyone else but yourself. And I said, okay, how? And he had no idea because when people say you need to think more of others than yourself, if you spent a lifetime of having grit and resilience, you don't understand what they're saying because it, we love other people, but we also know how to survive, which makes us self-centered. But these four things, if you can include one of these four things in your speech, action, and words, the entire shift goes from yourself to the other person. The brain says this person sees me, they value me, and I want to affiliate with them, it just releases all the pleasure centers in the brain. So this is it. Number one, seek the thoughts and opinions of others instead of sharing your own. Two, talk in terms of their priorities, challenges, and pain points like we talked about instead of your own. Three, the bedrock of all things in life, be non-judgmentally curious. Dive deep to understand the other person and validate that. Validation just means you're seeking curiosity, you're not agreeing with necessarily. You can, but be non-judgmentally curious. And four, empower people with choices. When you do one of those four things and do so with transparency about who you are, what your intentions are, and how you roll in life, and you demonstrate vulnerability, and you can combine that with the balance and the dichotomy of humility and competence and competence together, you will have a great relationship. You'll forge trust and recruit allies. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much for that uh, great advice and that and sharing this tremendous wisdom. You know, this is a an episode I'm going to be listening to and re-listening to over and over again. So, <laughs> so to, 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 well, I take, uh, you know, 
I was taking down copious notes as you talked and trying to get all these points in and, and whatnot, and just just tremendous advice. So, um, you know, thank you so much for that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, again, thank you for, for coming on. It, it was an honor to have you here as a guest, really. And can you go ahead and just um, uh, describe all the ways that people can reach out and, and get in touch with you? Sure. The easiest thing ever is just go to my website. It's called peopleformula.com, all one word, peopleformula.com. On there, um, there's links to my newsletter that comes out every week that's based on my uh, podcast. There's a podcast page on there. Again, the podcast is called Forged by Trust. I have articles on there. I, I'm on the news a, a decent amount doing true crime type, types of stuff on news commentaries. Uh, my books are on there. My reading list is on there. My free course is on there. My other courses are on there. My coaching, everything's on there, but I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on my YouTube channel. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, and I have a Facebook page called Forged by Trust. So I am absolutely everywhere. If you need anything, reach out. It's pretty easy to get a hold of me. Wonderful. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Just so you know, all the uh, information you just told us, uh, the, the, the links will be in the show notes, so people will be able to, to see it and read it there and whatnot. So again, thank you. People should all go out and get in touch with you and connect with you. They should read your amazing books, uh, and they should also check out your podcast, Forged by Trust is the name of it, right? So yeah. it's on yeah. Spotify and on Apple and Google and, and everywhere. So um, definitely, um, you know, it was a pleasure having you on the show. I guess um, before we wrap up everything, do you have any, maybe any uh Last word or final send-off you want to leave with us? Uh, one more shout-out to you for what you do and reminding everyone once more, please hit subscribe, hit like, and show Luke the love because he puts a lot of effort into this and he's your fan. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. It's definitely been a pleasure having you on the show. Everyone else, thank you so much uh, for tuning in and listening. I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. Everyone take care and God bless. Bye-bye. Hey guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcast app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, so uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a, a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, that would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.